You are listening to the Taking the Leap podcast with me, your host, Rachel G. Scott. This podcast is dedicated to inspiring you to take bold leaps of faith as we hear the powerful stories of both men and women from different industries and walks of life who obey God and took risks in exchange for heaven's rewards. As you listen, my hope is that their stories will give you the confidence you need to trust God as he leads you to your next leap. Now, let's learn a little about our next guest. Today, Rachel is speaking with Daniel Kwok. He is an immigrant that went from being in debt to surrendering his life to the Lord in a deep and personal way, which grew him into the leader and financial success he is today. Daniel shares with us the major shift that transformed the way he lives and leads, what surrender means to him as a Christian business owner, and a new way of looking at tithing. If you're an entrepreneur or aspiring to be one, you're not going to want to miss this episode. Now, let's jump in. Daniel, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to have you. Yeah, this is exciting. I love it. I love your background, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so yeah, much. There's so much positive energy going on. Back I put there. a lot I, of I energy and thought into this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could tell. That's good. Yeah, you got a great setup. Thank you. So, Daniel, can you please tell my listeners a little bit about you? Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell them a little bit about me. And, and a lot of times I, I'm a podcast junkie. Like I love listening to podcasts. I love listening to, you know, YouTube videos and whatnot. And I know for me, my pet peeve is when somebody, a, a speaker spends a little too much time talking about themselves. So I'll spend like 30 seconds on who I am. And then ultimately why you should continue to listen to this podcast episode. Right. Cause I know a lot of people tune out. Right. And so real quick, just me in a nutshell, I graduated or not graduated. I didn't graduate. I'm actually a college dropout. So there's fact number one about me. I love it. Uh, but I, yeah. But I immigrated to the United States when I was five. My dad's a pastor, started a church here in Chicago. And then fast forward 18 years old. I, you know, when you grow up poor, I tell people all the time, when you grow up poor, you learn poor. So fast forward me being 18, you know, I had probably negative $187 in my bank account around there. And then I maxed out credit cards. I realized that I was not being a good steward of what God was giving me and decided to do something about it. And that's actually when I surrendered. And that's when, you know, Jesus started telling me, he's like, hey, man, you've done a great job believing in me, but now it's actually time for you to start following me. And that's when I started learning the distinction between two, right? Because I read the Bible 10 times over at that point in my life. I knew everything there was to know about religion. And, you know, yet I knew nothing, actually nothing about this Jesus guy. And there's a big difference between studying God and knowing God. And once I started actually knowing God, I realized God was taking me to places that made me very uncomfortable. Uh, entrepreneurship and leadership to be one of those things, you know. So that's when I started my business. And that's a story on its own. I learned a lot of great lessons that I'm sure we'll, we'll get you know, very much into. A lot of golden nuggets that have absolutely changed my life, not only in my business, right? Because today I, I, I would consider my businesses that I own to be very successful. So I'll, I'll share in this podcast episode throughout the podcast. That's why you shouldn't leave after hearing this one. What happened, what I learned that completely changed the way I lead. And by the way, everything falls down to leadership, I believe. You know, whether it's sales, marketing, automation, everything falls down to leadership. So I learned a lot of great lessons there. The result of those lessons, I was 23, had eight to $10 million worth of real estate to my name at that age. And then now I'm 27, you know, I'm married, wife of two years now, right? Celebrating our awesome. two year anniversary in like 10 days, I think. Now you're not going to have to get that, that date right all the way. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, it's, it's so convenient nowadays with technology because I just have to go to Facebook memories. 
and I just never forget my anniversary. There you go. Um, so it's super easy. So, so thank you, Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, <laughs> so we have that. And then so uh, my business ended today, 27. Obviously, our YouTube, we have about 190,000 subscribers on our channel. And we have, I run a private equity real estate company and just got a lot of irons in the fires. And none of this would ever be possible without surrender. And that's actually one of the things I really want to talk about today. That's kind of one of the things I feel prompted to talk about is this whole idea of surrender, because a lot of people think they know what that means, right? A lot of Christians that grew up in the church believe that, oh, that, that means I'm giving my life to God. And that means I'm giving, it actually means more than that. So actually, let me give you one example before you ask the next question. But one of the things when it comes to surrender that I learned how to do is financially. And here's the biggest myth that when it comes to money, when it comes to the church, is a lot of people consider surrendering to God, right, financially to be tithing. That's what they consider to be surrender, which, by the way, a statistic, every pastor will be very quick to tell you that 36, only 36% of Christians that attend church regularly every single week tithe, 36%, right? And then out of those 36% of people, uh, I would say, how many are doing it out of their own heart, as opposed right. to this is something that I have to do. So I'll, I'm going to say something very controversial. You didn't expect this from me, did you? But I'm going to expect, I'm, I'm going to say something very controversial. It might make a lot of pastors upset, but I, Daniel Kwok, do not believe in tithing. I think if you have a heart that's truly surrendered to God, tithing is actually the last thing that you do. And I'll, I'll give you a couple of reasons for it. Number one, I realize that a lot of people love giving their 10% to God because they don't want God touching the other 90%. I believe that if you truly say to yourself and you truly surrender 100% that I'm going to give 100% of my life to God, you can't just give God 10% of your money. You can't do that. And it says in scripture, right, the origin of this concept of tithing, it says, I want you to give me, right, God says, give me a tenth, right, of your storehouses, your cattle, your livestock, and see to it that I, uh, for me, my definition is, uh, when, I, when God says that to me, I says, what, what livestock, what money? Because last time I checked, this is all yours, right? I'm just here to steward it. So it's funny to me when a lot of Christian, especially Christian businessmen and women say, well, I give a 10% of all I have to God. And literally in the same sentence, I say all of it. I'm just a steward, right? I'm just, a, so it's like, well, if you're giving a 10% of what you have, then that means 100% should go to God. You know, what do you mean if, you, if you're truly a steward, right? So for me, it's, it's, that's, that's what I've learned throughout the years. And I find myself that when, whenever I do live a life where 100% of my money is God's, I actually end up giving more than 10% a lot of times, you know, because of course, at the end of the day, God, God doesn't need your money. That's, that's the one lesson I had to learn, you know, very early on in my life is that God does not need me. And I think that's a, a reality that a lot of us need to learn is that God doesn't need us, but, but more so importantly, uh, he wants us. Right. Right. So why would he need our money? Exactly. Wow. Dale, that is. That's so powerful. And even when you're talking about that, I'm thinking about teaching my kids and trying to explain because they don't get it right. Kids are like, OK, so I'm giving 10 percent to who and how and why. And, you know, rather than helping them to cultivate a heart of just everything belongs to God. Like when you really think about that, that goes so much further in the big scheme of things in life to realize everything belongs to God. And I want to have a heart that whatever he gives me, I'm willing to give back however he wants me to, to, to give it back to him. So yeah. that that's huge. So Ra Rachel, you said you have kids. How many kids do you have? Well, I have a total of seven. So I'm a blended family. That's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. So, so there's three. Um, my husband had three. I had okay. two and then we have two together. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. So, so do you have a child? You most likely do it with seven kids. Do you have a child around the age of 14, 15 years old? Yes, I do. Perfect. So most likely I'm willing to bet if I'm a betting man, which I'm not, right? But if I was a betting man, I'm willing to bet that your son or daughter? Son. Okay, son. Name? Darius. Darius. Beautiful name. So Thank I'm you. willing to bet that Darius around the age of 14, 15 is most likely trying to figure out how to have a little bit more freedom every single day. Oh, right? yes. <laughs> 100%. So curfew is probably a big topic between yes. you and Darius. Okay. So I'm going to give you two options. Would you rather have a Darius come home at 10 PM? Let's say that's the curfew. Would you rather have him come home at 10 PM just because you told him to do that? Or option B, would you rather have Darius come home at 10 PM? Because at the end of the day, he knows that you care about him, that you're concerned for his safety that he realizes, look, at after a certain time when it gets dark out, probably not the best idea for me to be out there. You know, probably better for me to be safe with my mom and here and learn responsibility. Which option would you rather have? Be all day. Be all day long. <laughs> Got it. So the reason why I bring that up is because, you know, with the concept of tithing and just giving in general, right? I'm just going to just kind of do a blanket save of giving in general. Most Christians do things just because their dad told them to. Mm-hmm. And when I say dad, they're heavenly father. But what does it actually mean when you do give, when you do tithe? What does it actually mean to be aligned, your heart, to be aligned with the fathers and understand where he's coming from and understand why he wants you to give in the first place? Because maybe, maybe he doesn't want 10% of your bank account. Maybe he wants 100% of your heart, right? Maybe he wants 100% of your mentality. Maybe he wants 100% of, of what you're doing in life, your purpose. So when, when I think about that example, and, and if you're a parent, it's amazing. Right. Because I, if, hey, if, if, if Darius was my child, I would want Darius to come home at, at 10 o'clock because he wanted to as well, because he saw where I was coming from. Right. Because now we're getting into the what and then we're getting deeper into the why, you know, and, and how that's going to affect his life. So and I have no doubt that God feels the same way about us. Right. And, and I'm actually willing to bet that tithing actually hurts a lot of Christians, their relationship with God. Because at the end of the day, if Darius lives a life of just doing things, just because you're telling him to, and just because he's obeying, what happens to a lot of those kids once they hit college and mom and dad's not there anymore? Right. You are so spot on with that. I'm telling you, because I, I've seen where people have tithe, 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 and then maybe there was still a need in the church and they're wondering like, well, why is that? Why is that the case? And I, and I'm giving this or, you know, or they had an expectation in return because I tithe, then if this happens, you know, the church is going to come support me or, and that doesn't happen. And now they've connected it in that way. So it is, it's such a slippery slope, but I love how you've made it about that, the heart, the heart and it being bigger than just this, the money conversation, because we know that could be a difficult conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Because if you're, if you're a believer that's doing it because you have to, you're making it about you. Mm -hmm. You're making it about you checking the box. You're not making it about what God wants because what God wants is for us to be aligned with his mission. And understand that, hey, the resources are there to carry out his will, his mission and his hands. Right. I'm just here to, to be a part of that. Right. And, and, and then you brought it up. It's a very interesting point. And that's a, that's what's so messed up a lot of times about the American church. And, and by the way, every culture has. Problems. I grew up in the Korean church. My dad's a Korean pastor. He passes the second largest Nazarene church in Korea. So I've been to churches all around the country or around the world. And, and every, you know, believe me, every every church of every culture has their problems. But one of the dangers of the American church, I noticed, is that with what you said, Rachel, is that a lot of times when Americans tithe, they feel like a stockholder in the church. 
they feel like a shareholder. Hey, I invested my hard-earned money. Therefore, I should have a say in the decision of what the church. No, you don't. Look in the Bible. Last time I checked, the Israelites had no no say, no voice when it comes to leaving. You know, they were the ones who said, we want to go back to slavery. That's what they were saying. You know, when they were out in the wilderness, you're like, oh, Moses, why'd you bring us out here, man? We have no food. We have no The people oftentimes were wrong, you know, and it was God's decisions that that would matter the most. And Moses was just responsible for laying out God's mission and vision to the entire people of Israel. So, I mean, you could you could apply that with any example. I don't care if even Jesus. Right. And let, let me let me say this one thing. Uh, Jesus had no intention of doing good. Right. Like, let me let me be very clear. And a lot of people are like, what do you mean, Daniel? He was, Jesus was the nicest dude in the world. Right. No. So there's a, there's a story that I absolutely love. It, it's John chapter five. And uh, it, it's, a, it's the pool of Bethsaida. Right. So there's a guy who's been invalid for 38 years. He's been in the pool for a very long time. And I, I reread that story a couple of years ago and the spirit revealed something to me. And what I learned is that what I find really interesting is that scripture says there were hundreds of people in that pool, hundreds. So let's say there's 300, right? Safe bet. Jesus healed one guy. That is a success rate of 0.33%, right? If I came to, so Rachel, let's say you were a senior pastor of a very large church. Let's say the church was like the size of elevation, right? You have tens of thousands of people, millions following you on your Instagram. And let's say that I came to you and said, hey, Rachel, I have a bona fide, God-driven ministry opportunity. It's got a success rate of 0.33%. What would you tell me? Like, uh, you're crazy. No, you don't. <laughs> you're crazy. But, but isn't, isn't that how churches today, like, they monitor how successful a ministry is? How many people came to the Lord? How many people came to church after, right? How many lives did we convert? Uh, the reality is, right, so Jesus most likely, in my, you know, reading that story, what I find interesting is Jesus most likely, well, actually definitely, not most likely, definitely actually had to walk over other sick people to get to that one guy. So, and, and he had a success rate of 0.33%. A, a lot of today's social justice warriors would actually say that Jesus is a bigot because he he neglected the other 299 individuals. Wow. You know, but the reality, here's the lesson that I learned. The reality is that Jesus had no intention of doing the right thing or doing the good thing. He said it three separate times. He says, I do as I see my father doing, right? And that's the problem, I, I believe, with a lot. I mean, it could be business. It could be Christian. It could be anything. We could bring this concept to any platform, right? I don't care if you're a Christian businessman. I don't care if you're just a Christian who's a teacher or with kindergarten. Like, it doesn't matter. Uh, a lot of Christians today more so focus on doing good as opposed to doing the one thing that the father had asked him to do. Mm. Right. Cause a lot, a lot, a lot I mean, it's, it's just, just the truth, right? It's just the truth. Like, I mean, Christians today will go to that pool and try to heal everybody and it wouldn't happen. Right. Cause the power to heal came from the father. It, it doesn't come from us. So a lot of times we would go there and we would, we would utterly fail, you know? Oh, Daniel, you just said so many good awesome nuggets i mean seriously and the it's like the breakdown of the mindsets that we tend to have especially growing up in church or being in church and we begin to to see things it's like wow that that is so powerful so i want to ask you a question even about when did the transition for your relationship with god begin to to really cultivate because i was listening to you on something else and you mentioned doing things for god 
and with yeah. because of God and with God. So I want to know a little bit about that. And then I have an, another question I want to ask you. Yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of just give the quick, very quick backstory to how I learned that. So I, I remember when I was a kid, I was a big dreamer. I've always been a big dreamer. You know, I mean, ever since I was eight years old, I wanted to like own the Chicago Bulls. Right. And, you know, I, I just I just dreamt big ever since I was it just came naturally to me. And so I remember when I was eight, nine years old, ever since then, I, I, I said, you know what? I remember literally telling my mom, I still have memories. We were driving home from church. I said, you know what, mom, one day I'm going to build a hospital in Africa. You know, I'm going to do this in Singapore or these other emerging you know, countries, emerging markets. And I said, I'm going to build schools in the Middle East. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do all that. I'm going to do it for God. And then I remember when I was in college, I got a little wiser and I realized that God doesn't need me to do anything for him. And I realized that my, everything that I did was a response to his love and grace. So with that said, I, I said, I'm going to do everything because of God, right? I'm not living my life for God. I'm living my life because of God, right? Because God, God has already done the rest, right? We, we, we say it at church every Sunday, right? Like Jesus already won the battle, right? Like I mean, how, many, how many times do we hear that at church, right? right. It's like we got to celebrate because Jesus already won the battle. So for me, I was like, because, and then I remember one time I was at every Wednesday night, I hang out with a group of friends and, you know, it's called the Young Professionals Fellowship. It, it's pretty much a bunch of people in their, their late twenties, early thirties, who are all very goal driven. We're all very driven people. And we just talk about what does it mean to really follow Jesus? And it, it doesn't matter whether you're Muslim or Christian, we, we invite everybody. And the idea is how do we live out the teachings of Jesus? That's it. Right. Because a lot of people who are not Christian do not like the church, but they love this Jesus guy, you know. So we, we get together every Wednesday. I remember we're having a very intense conversation about leadership. And in the middle of us having this discussion, the spirit spoke to me as clear as he speaks, as you speak to me. Now, it's not even more clear. And he says, Daniel, I love that, you know, you're giving your money to all these great nonprofit organizations. I love that you're building your business. I love that how you've grown so much as a leader. I love that you're doing all these things. I just wish sometimes we could do it together. And that was the line that he said to me. And I was like, oh, right. Like that's the knife in the right. heart. And, and it showed me how much farther I have yet to go. Right. I'm, I'm still learning and I'm still constantly growing with the Lord. And I still have flaws. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all just a hot mess. Right. right. If we're going to be completely honest, myself included. You know, if, that, if not, I lead the charge in that category. And that's what he said to me. And, and I, I realized that there are Christians today and I used to be this, who do a lot of things for God. They take a lot of pride in doing things for God. How many Christians do we know that take pride in the fact that they're the earliest to show up at church, to open the doors and do all these things? Uh, I've literally had elders come to me and brag about how much they tithe. You know, like it's kind of, right? And not only that, but how, how many, it's worse if you're staffed at a church, right? Like how many children's pastors, youth pastors, right? Like feel this obligation to be good at their job, as opposed to just simply doing what God asks you to do, which right. I'm sorry, is going to tick off a lot of people at times. You know, like what God wants you to do oftentimes is not the most popular decision. Uh, I've experienced that a, a numerous times throughout my life. And then because of God and then with God, right? That's, that's what God actually wants. He doesn't want your performance. He doesn't want you to do anything, but he wants the, the fruits of your labor to be the byproduct of the connection that you have with the Father. So yes. I mean, I'm going to be honest, that is, I'm still wrap, wrapping my brain around that because when you're just so used to doing things for, and because you're like, well, okay, what does it look like for me to really practically do things with them? So a practice that I've been doing is every day I'm asking God, like, okay, what does today look like 
for me to do this with you because I can easily go back to doing the four and because that that comes naturally. The with does not. Yeah, you find especially, that especially people like us who are very high performer, you yeah. know, very high achieve, high perform. Like I'm, I'm obsessed with like I'll watch documentaries on how Tom Brady is still playing at the age of 43. Because for me, I'm, I'm obsessed with just every little edge I can have competitively in the business world. Like I want it, yep. you know, um, but I mean, that's 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 the interesting part. And, and by the way, this isn't, you know, like, oh, look how smart Daniel is. I mean, it's right there in John chapter 20. Right. Like when Jesus talks about the vine, like you are the, you know, like you are the vine, I am the branch. Right. When he, when he talks about that concept of, you know, be, it, those those who are cut off, those vines who are cut off from the branch cannot bear any fruit. When Jesus right. talks about, like, so this isn't this isn't me being, oh my gosh, look, Daniel's so what? No, it's 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 right there in Scripture. You know, Jesus, Jesus said everything that needs to be said for us to live a life where we follow and become a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, so so for me that that is so so important because imagine if we all lived in a way where before every business meeting Jesus was walking into that meeting with us. Imagine if we lived in a way where when we woke up Jesus was waking up. With when we, you know, maybe not go to the bathroom, right? But uh, imagine, <laughs> imagine if, you know, we live, what if we live that way, right? Like if we're, as we're driving to our next deployment, Jesus is right there in the passenger seat, you know, and when, every single individual, like even before this, right? I'm just like, all right, God, what do you have? For, what do you have for us? Yeah. You know, what's, what's your agenda here? What's your will? How do you want me to show up? How can I love on, you know, Rachel and her, her followers or listeners? It doesn't matter if it's one, does because uh, again, Jesus did what the father asked him to do. He was, right. he didn't care about 299. He cared about one. Sometimes he cared about everybody, right? Like when in feeding the 5,000, he cared about everyone. There's a time and a place for, for right? But the, the main thing is, is the father, what are you doing what the father asked you to do? So, but for me, even before this, uh, that's, that's kind of what I said. I'd say, hey, what do you want me to say? There's maybe there's one person's lives going to change because of this. Maybe there's 500,000. Who knows? Maybe you'll upload this on YouTube and it'll get 2 million views. There right? you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that would right? be awesome. That'd be great. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be super happy for you. You know, I love that. Now, tell us a little bit about, because you mentioned being a high school dropout, but now college, sorry, you college dropout. own a If, if I a was a high school dropout, dropout my, school my parents would have ended my life right there. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's not Yeah. So can you tell us uh, the transition of, making the, the college dropout decision to mm-hmm. where you're at now. I mean, you're successful, you know, millions of dollars. And how did that transition happen to go into real estate and make that decision? Yeah. So I, I started my company with my brother when I was a sophomore in college. And so I had already started business and, and I got to the point my senior year where, you know, my brother and I were no disrespect, but my brother and I were doing better financially than a lot of our business professors. And, and I, for me, the big reason why I left, it wasn't money. It wasn't, you know, time, although those two are very important currencies in life. I felt like I wasn't learning what I wanted to learn. And again, no disrespect, but I was, you know, learning yeah. management from a guy who didn't have a lot of experience in that field, yep. right? Like I wanted to learn at the time how to be the best CEO in the world because I was CEO of my own company. And so I was like, well, this guy has never even taken the position of a CEO. You know, like there's just, and again, I'm sure the other students got a lot from those classes. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But all I knew was for me, I, I felt like I was not getting the value for the investment that I was putting in. Right. So uh, I actually had a conversation. And by the way, if there's any parent or any child uh, watching this, contemplating and making that decision of whether or not to continue school, by the way, don't drop out of high school. Right. Don't do that. That's the one thing I will not tell you to do, right? Because you get your, get your basic education, right? But yes. when it comes to college, you're now you're now talking about dropping 40 grand a year, 
right? Like high school, you're not doing that. You know, with college, you're talking about putting yourself in a situation where you might be tens of thousands of dollars in debt. This is, this is a pretty life altering choice. So I remember the best conversation I had is I, I remember I asked a lot of people I respected, a lot of professors, hey, I'm thinking about dropping out. This is my situation. What do you think? 99% of them said, don't do it. You're going to regret it. You know, uh, just finish. You're going to maximize your options. For me, I'm like, no, I'm choosing one option. I'm going 110%. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I accomplished my goals. Yeah. You know, um, that was my thought process back then, <laughs> which, by the way, looking back is very narcissistic. But uh, I, I had a conversation with this one guy and I'm going to say his name because I, I would love to take him out to dinner and say thank you because I haven't seen him in five years, six years. Right. But his, it was Professor Robert Nisley. And uh, he taught at Olivet Nazarene University, which is where I went for three and a half years. I dropped out my senior year, by the way, which was to many people even more foolish because I literally had 12 credit hours left to graduate and I chose to drop out. So I remember I sat down with him and he says, after like about 10 minutes of me explaining my situation, he goes, you like sports, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, what's your favorite sport? Love basketball. I've been, I've been a diehard Bulls fan ever since I, was, I came to this country. And so he goes, all right, well, let me give you an example. Do every single college basketball player stay all four years before they go to the NBA? I said, no. It's like, all right. So what, what happens, right? Like what, what's the case? And I go, well, you know, if you have like a, a large prospect, you know, who's like number one in high school, he gets drafted to like a, a university like Duke or Kansas, right? One of these big powerhouse basketball schools. Um, they usually, they're one and done, right? They're, they, they go for one year, they declare for the draft. And he's like, that's exactly right. So the, the, the time they spend in college is to prepare them for their professional career. Would you agree? I said, yes. So, okay. Do you feel like you're ready for your professional career? I said, yeah, I feel like I've been ready since I was a junior or since I was a sophomore. He's like, what the heck are you still doing here then? You know? And I'm like, oh, wow. And I never, I never had anybody break it down for me like that. Right. It's like, it's, it's like you are an actual athlete. If you feel like you're ready for the next level. And I was right. Cause I already had a, a I already had a business that was up and running producing income. Right. So, you know, I didn't have to take out a loan or I didn't have to live with my parents or, I didn't have to do any of those things. My business was already up and running. And it just got to the point where my time was just better spent elsewhere. And, and you know, Professor Nisley really kind of helped me identify that for me, you know, because it was such a non-biased, you know, opinion. And he was nice enough to say, hey, like, if, if things don't work out, uh, why don't you come back and I'll, I'll change your grade? Because I, I know what you're capable of. Like, I know, you know, I know that you're not doing my homework because you're, you know, pitching a deal to your investors and you're putting together a prospectus, right? Like I'm not going to get in the way of that. So right. yeah, I mean, shout out to him. Uh, he's, he's probably not watching this, but Hey, you know, shout out to him. Nevertheless. Don't you love when those people come along and just really confirm, like, this is the direction you need to go. You're, yeah. you're on the right path, but you got to seek it. Yeah. Right. Like that's the one thing I got, I, I would really wish I would tell people is they don't put themselves out there enough. You know, I mean, like I, so I'll, I'll share the story. So I, the, the first time I met a billionaire, he gave me a piece of advice that, that changed my life forever. So I remember I was sitting down with a friend of mine who was a potential investor in one of my, in one of my uh, ventures. And we're sitting at this really nice restaurant that's near O'Hare airport, right? So there's a city called Rosemont that that's in you know, O'Hare. And so we're, we're there. He chose a restaurant that was inside of a casino. So really interesting, but we're talking and literally in the middle of a sentence, he goes, hey, Daniel, have you ever met a billionaire? And I go, no. He goes, well, you're about to. So his buddy Mark walks in and this guy 
I mean, he, he made his money off of manufacturing. So he owned the manufacturing uh, chains for all the big companies like Kraft and, you know, kind of these big retail guys. He, he, had to ma- he owned the manufacturing run for all of them. And so I, I, I was tempted. I was like, hey, I got to ask you this question. Like, I'm not going to be able to sleep at night if I don't get the answer to this question. And I asked him, there's, you know, 1,200 millionaires that are created every day in the United States of America. But yet there's only like 800 billionaires in the world. How are you one of the 800? Like, what did you do differently? And it's not even a money thing, right? Like ever since I was little, I was always obsessed with why people succeeded and why people failed, mm-hmm. right? Like what do the successful do differently? So like Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell is like a big, one of my favorite reads. And so I asked him like, what made you different? What did you do differently? And he goes, well, Daniel, like I have a lot of friends today that are millionaires that I grew up with that started their businesses around the same time I did and actually even started their business earlier than I did. Here's what I did differently. He goes, all my friends that are millionaires focused on ideas. They focused on execution. They focused on vision, purpose. They focused on, you know, efficiency, hire, you name it, right? They focused on all that stuff, which is great. I'm not saying don't focus on it. You still need to have that in your business. That's absolutely essential. However, I focused on one thing above everything else. And it's number one, my ability to network. And number two, it's my ability to create win-win relationships, strategic bridges, as I like to call them. So number one is my ability to constantly be expanding my network. And number two, it was always being intentional about creating strategic relationships. So not only who you know, but hey, like how, what, how it's the art of creating alignment. And that's probably the one thing that like I've, I've mentored and coached a lot of real estate entrepreneurs, right? Like I have a coaching program that teaches people how to invest in real estate. And, you know, I've traveled the country and learning, you know, and teaching this stuff. Ever since I was 22, I was traveling everywhere, right? And that's probably the one thing that really does separate the successful from the ones who are just talkers, right? Like they've been trying to do the same thing for five, six years. It just doesn't work out. It's the real successful people are always intentional. That's the key word. They're intentional about expanding their network. I mean, they're having, you know, one or two, three, sometimes four or five coffee lunch dates every single week with somebody new, you know, and not only that, but learning how to create that strategic relationship of the art of knowing this is what I'm good at. And this is my problem. This is what they're good at. This is their problem. What is the bridge? What is the alignment here? You know, so I say those those things are what I learned a lot from that guy. And, and that that story was about probably six years ago. And, wow. uh, you know, that th- those six years have been tremendous. Right. Like so my my the revenue of my companies have more than doubled every single year during the six year stint. Right. Like we, we went from I think I think when I was 22, my brother and I, our revenue was one hundred thirty five thousand dollars that year. The next year it was like 250. The year after that, it was half, half a mil. The year after that, it was like 1.2. The year after that. And I I don't and I won't say the number of, of last year, but you know, it's it's grown substantially. And for me, that's that's been the focus ever yeah, since. Yeah, and and story. you know, I, I love how you're you're grounded in Christ, but also your perspective of finances, I really believe is what shapes the the favor that you have and the opportunities and the growth because of how you you view it. So I love that. We could talk for so long, but I want to make sure that listeners know how they can connect with you and learn more about everything that you're doing and you know just learn from you. Yeah. If they want to just go to my YouTube channel, 
you know, I, I do have a personal Instagram, but I'll be very honest. I don't, I don't post a lot. Um, I think the last time I posted was like a picture of my wife and it was like three months ago. So um, <laughs> you're probably, you're probably not going to get a lot of, I guess, insight or golden nuggets following that. But obviously our YouTube channel, we were very intentional about that one. So our YouTube channel, literally the clock brothers, we try to keep it as simple as we can. Clock brothers. And you have something recently, that, recently that you all did on you version too, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was about three years ago, I think. Oh, um, really? I, I just yeah. came across it. So that's, that's awesome. But yes, you all will love his YouTube channel. I love following all the things that he and his brother are doing. So make sure you visit him um, on YouTube at the Quag Brothers. Daniel, thank you so much for spending this thank time you. and all the nuggets that you shared with us. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast episode. I hope you enjoy what you heard and you're even more encouraged to trust God with your next week. Before you go, I want to invite you to visit thefiveleaks.com to learn more about upcoming guests, get helpful resources to help you prepare to take your next leap, and join the Taking the Leap membership community. And don't forget to text podcast to 216-279-7174 for weekly reminders and more personalized leap support. Enjoy the rest of your day. And remember, God can do more with our willingness than he could ever do with our worthiness.